Hi everybody, I'm uh, David Mark with Terry Cohen. Uh, back with another uh, hot topics, through some hot topics with Daniel Lori, the executive director of Atari Coin, and uh, you know another exciting uh, week in Jerusalem, and especially in the part of Jerusalem where most people, at least from um, from the, the Jewish and those who support uh, Jewish sovereignty, uh, go to. Um, these are the neighborhoods where uh, let's not call it East Jerusalem, God forbid. It's called Eastern Jerusalem, Eastern, the Eastern neighborhoods of Jerusalem, right? Eastern These are places, <laughs> the Eastern neighborhoods of Jerusalem. These are places that are in the sovereign control of the, uh, the Israeli state, and they should remain that way. And these are, are, are predominantly, um, unfortunately, just by the nature of the way history worked out post-48 to have a large Arab um, population, but that is changing, um, not through any sort of diabolical, uh, God forbid, apartheid-like uh, uh, means, which the, the leftists, and, and a lot of people around the world believe takes place, but just old fashioned um, purchases, which anybody around the world is allowed to do. And so um, Daniel, I tossed the ball on your court to, to basically uh, let everybody know the, the, uh, the news this, this week, uh, which I, I think is really just fitting in terms of the entire process we're going, going through. The, um, hi, Shalom once again, uh, pleasure to be here. Um, just for all our listeners, it's worthwhile to mention because a lot of people, you know, this, have this concept in their mind of uh, Arab East Jerusalem. Uh, we have to be very clear that, that today there's over 215,000 Jews living in the area that the world defines as East Jerusalem. I mean, massive Jewish neighborhoods from uh, Gilo, Givat Mesua, Har Choma, uh, Ramat Shlomo. Because the a few a few years ago, when a few extra homes were to be built there and in Gilo, uh, Ramot, Ramateshkol, French Hill, Pisgazet, these are regular Jewish neighbourhoods that no one would even uh, even consider to be East Jerusalem, uh, but yes, they are located in the area that was uh, expropriated by the Israeli government and bought into what is today called United Jerusalem. Uh, the area there's also in that same area, but not as a massive block. There's close to 300,000 Arabs also in that area, but once again, little neighborhoods all over Jerusalem. The one area where there is a, a predominantly uh, uh, Muslim or Arab uh, majority is no question is still the Holy Basin, uh, which happens to be the most important area for the Jewish people. And that's a lot of the focus, as uh, you know, David, of the, uh, of the work of Atarat Konim now for 40 years. And uh, that's why there's Jewish life back in the city of David, the Mounts of Olives, the old Yemenite village, the old Jewish quarter, the Shimon HaTzadik neighborhood. Um, in fact, very close to the Shimon HaTzadik neighborhood, as we pointed out, there was uh, mentioned in this week in the Jerusalem Post, and it was picked up very quickly uh, by a number of Arab uh, um, outlets. And that was the house of the Mufti, Hajj Amin El Husseini, from a very, very uh, well-known, famous family, even related to uh, Yasser Arafat, who, uh, whose mother was also a relative of this grand mufti, Hajj Amin El Husseini. Um, and um, many years ago, Jewish concerns managed to, uh, to buy his property. Um, I remember having a, a wonderful function there, including with uh, even Mike Huckabee that was here at the time. And we had people uh, celebrating the fact that uh, it was going to be a Jewish neighborhood in the place where the, the mufti once owned his private residence. And there was a hotel on the property that uh, during the Jordanian period. It's a very, very well-known property, massive property. Um, it's also famous because of who he was. Uh, as you would know, he was uh, 
you know, connected to the Nazis. He sat with Hitler. He sat in, uh, was it summer, not the summer of October, November of 1941, just before the final solution. Until that point in time, Jews were, you know, in the late 30s, were being kicked out and sent all over the world. There wasn't this mass destruction in the, in the concentration camps. They happened a little bit later. But the last thing that uh, the Mufti wanted uh, was to have more Jews coming into then Palestine. And so there were lots of discussions about uh, stopping the uh, Jews from coming in. There were discussions how the Muslims in Palestine could work together against the British, together with the Germans. Uh, all this has been documented. Uh, he was ultimately on the payroll of the Nazis. He established the first and only um, Muslim SS unit called the Hanjar that wiped out Yugoslavian Jewry. It's just mind-boggling. If you look up and understand what happened in history, wiped out Yugoslavian Jewry. He was also responsible for the pogroms in Israel, uh, in, in yep. Jerusalem and in Hebron in the 20s and the 30s. So this is a real piece of work, uh, the symbol of genocide and hatred. Even many moderate Arabs, that I think we'd, I'd like to talk about actually, but these so-called moderate Arabs, he also uh, was responsible for killing many of them in the 20s and 30s also. Uh, Arabs who actually saw that life was good with the Jews and realized what the Jews were doing by bringing back life to this, uh, to this country, to Israel. So ultimately his uh, property was bought. Um, 28 families uh, will move in one day. Apartments have been approved. 20 apartments have already been built. Uh, there is moves afoot to try and double that to, uh, in the zoning laws to 56. Um, and his, the, the hotel was demolished. His residence was very interesting. There were discussions at the municipality, should the building be kept and turned it into something you know, with Jewish flavor, with having a synagogue or Jewish kids playing, or should it be totally destroyed, dismantled, and the stones scattered, you know, like the ashes of Eichmann over this in the Mediterranean because of his Nazi connection. Ultimately, it was decided to just keep his private residence and it will be turned into a public uh, usage, whether it be a little synagogue, whether it be a place center, a nursery uh, for the families who are going to be living on this massive property. A very, very symbolic, very important and uh, um, a little bit of a smile in some ways to think that uh, the symbol of hatred and the destruction of world Jewry is going to be Jewish life and he's no longer. That's very, it's very powerful. <laughs> what yeah. a, uh, you know, a justice at the end. It's the whole thing. Very much so. Poetic uh, justice. Those, um, what we were saying uh, earlier, it, it reminded me actually these moderate Arabs uh, that he also killed um, and was responsible for. It, it's a bit of a shame that it's, it doesn't take that much, um, you know, it doesn't get enough coverage talking about the number of Muslim Arabs that know that life is great in the Jewish state of Israel. That's right. you, you, you have radicals, you have the people that are out there with the violence and the edicts and the hatred and the incitement that there's no shortage of, but we, we shouldn't forget that there's these, you know, there's moderate Arabs out there that work in the hospitals, work in the restaurants, doctors, nurses, patients, lecturers, students at the Hebrew University and that would actually like to, you know, live in the Jewish state and not even in a million years would they consider, you know, being under Arafat or the PA or God forbid Hamas. You know, it's, uh, it's very different, you know, when uh, 
Maybe we should be taking advantage of that in some ways with what's happening in the world, this, this change. There's a change of thinking in the, in the Arab world, even towards Israel, and maybe that will have an effect, hopefully, on some of these more moderate Arabs and are living here in a certain neighborhoods in the heart of Jerusalem. Well, we certainly see that, we're talking, you know, we certainly see that in national Israeli politics, like we were talking about before, uh, in the, the break-off party, that seems like, you know, at least reports to the Arab party is very prominent. Uh, Arab politician for years now, and he's going to now, you know, claiming there's a claim he's going to break off Mansour Abbas, claiming that they're going to break off and make his more moderate party. This bizarre out of nowhere, but I do believe that is part of this. The Gulf states coming to peace with us kind of shows that there's another pathway. Um, it is, it is sort of interesting the the way that you know people they very, um, very have a lot of amnesia when it comes to history and the fact that. Um, uh, Husseini did not represent all the Arabs. But what is interesting is the assumption is we came here causing them to get angry and they, they're writing. It's not, and we all know that's not the case, right? The case is this guy was working hand in hand with Hitler. And in a sense, you know, he was, we don't know, but it would be, it would assume to be before him and Hitler. We don't know the, the life was much, there was already the 1920s when he first came about and Hitler in the late 1930s. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, how many pogroms, exi pogroms existed before in before 1900? In, in Jerusalem, I'm saying. Well, under the, under I don't believe the, there's a recorded, uh, uh, was there really a, a pogroms where this guy, uh, this guy uh, came about? Listen, there are, there are Jews that you know have been killed, you know, even in the uh, in the 1840s. It's not like uh, you know uh, there were it was free of hatred. There was always some hatred. There were always some radicals. Yeah, uh, Shlomo Zalman Zuref uh, was the first one murdered, and if I'm not mistaken, he's officially recorded as the first terror yeah, victim. That's true, and that that's was true. and that was with the Hurva a long time before. But there's that's no true. question though that at least under the Turks. Uh, a lot of the Arabs who were here, uh, they saw what was happening when Jews came back and the land started to give of its fruits. Now, God has said that whenever the Jewish people come back, that's when the land will give. No one else has managed to make it into anything special. It was a backwater town for many, many years. Only when the Jews came back, do we suddenly see there's a, a migration of Arabs from various countries into Israel or into this part of the world under the Ottoman Empire because of the Jewish investment, because Jews were returning. Mm. Um, but of course, then the hatred was not so, it wasn't so uh, clear because the, um, we were under the Turks. But when it turned into Israel, Jewish nationalism and the possible creation of the state, whether it be the students of the Vilna Gaon who saw the redemption, whether it be the definitely from the political movement of Herzl in the late 1800s, suddenly those Arabs who were here, you had, it became polarized. There were some Arabs that were here that said, oh, this is no good. The Jews are under the Turks is one thing, but having their own state. No, this is our pan-Arab dream. Many other Arabs saw that still with life was good under the Jews and they're the same ones today that unfortunately are very silent, but they're the ones that are working in the hotels, working in the Hebrew University, working in the Hadassah Hospital, uh, and, and who realize that life is great because we have brought uh, a modern day miracle to this part of the world that is unparalleled in history. Uh, I was just telling my children a few days ago, the South Koreans 
did a national survey to try and work out how is it possible that the Jewish people from the Holocaust, these skeletons from the Holocaust, managed to build a state of Israel, a flourishing state of Israel, a technological giant, a military force, a moral people in a space of just a few years. What is this? What is the secret? Well, how is it happening? So, you know, it's known, you know, when you have, when you do the right thing and you're following God's footsteps and then God blesses the Jewish people and we've seen some tremendous things happening here. And I think that there are Muslims that live here uh, who realize that. And there's no use talking about, we're not going to drive them into the sea anymore. This is their state. They're not trying to grab other states. They're not interested in taking over Saudi Arabia. They, don't, they want to have a little Jewish state and life is good here. Those who don't accept that, Okay, well, you know, maybe the place isn't for them here in the, in, in Israel. I, I you know uh, they have to work out something else for for people that think that they can take away Jewish sovereignty. They've tried wars, they've tried Oslo, they've tried many different ways to try and destroy the sovereignty. That uh, just don't realize that the bond between land and people and God can never be broken as long as we mm. we act as a moral people in God's ways. But um, that's uh, that's what we've got today. That's the, that's the message behind this, this, this piece of property, in, in a sense. It's like, you, you know, um, Husseini tried, tried the best, you know, tried, I mean, there's nobody more, in, in a lot of ways, there's nobody more than, he was really the, out in front of this, more than Arafat even. And if you think about the way, the, the way he played, you know, he was... Uh, he's, he was he's called the father of Ar yeah. Arab nationalism. You know, Arafat no learned from him. No question uh, about it. Everyone learns from him how right. he inspired the people. That's right. There's no question about it. And so, you know, to have his house and to have, turn it, you know, it'd be beautifully turned to a synagogue. In my mind, that just bolsters your point. There's really no stopping this as long as we keep pushing forward and do God's will. And, and I guess my last question, my last kind of point here is a question. I want to talk a little bit about the location and why the, you know, because we often talk about the Holy Basin, you know, you and I constantly go to these neighborhoods and they're always either with the old city or Shiloh um, or Ir David, even areas in the bottom there, um, a few other areas, Kidmatzion. But we very rarely go on the northern side. And, and I want to like, this particular neighborhood I think is very interesting in terms of creating a contiguous presence from between, um, let's just say, uh, not the main, the main uh, route one, which is going up from the old city north, to, you know, there's a delicious lot of Arabs between there and uh, uh, Hebrew University. So well, the, the, the Shimon, uh, the just neighborhood in Hebrew known as Shimon HaTzadik or yeah. Sheikh Jarach, I think in, you know, yeah. there are more and more Jews living there now. Yeah. Jews yes. have gone back to return there. It's not under the auspices of Ateret Konim, mm. uh, but, you know, two or three different organizations are very successful in bringing Jewish life back to that area. For me, what's significant about the position, location of this uh, Shefer Hotel, the old Mufti residence, was that uh, just down the road, 100 meters down the road, there were 78 doctors and nurses that were massacred by Arabs, the Ayin Chet, there's a street named after them, uh, in 1948. Yeah. You know, when uh, we're talking March or March or May, I don't remember exactly, in 1948, there's a big plaque there today on the road, the Scottish regiment uh, that was under the British uh, were in the Sheffer Hotel because they had actually expropriated it from the Mufti because he was wanted by the British and wanted by the Yugoslavians. And the Scottish regiment within the British mm. were located at the Sheffer Hotel Mufti residence. A hundred metres down the road, they didn't go to stop 
or to defend or to help the Jewish uh, doctors and nurses, the convoy that was going from one side of Jerusalem all the way to the Hadass hospital. Um, and ultimately, of course, uh, there was another Hadass hospital set up. There was another Hebrew university set up because we couldn't get, it was difficult to get to the hospital and, and university between 1948 and 1967, although it was under Jewish control, but it was an island in, in Jordan, basically. But that, the symbolism of that massacre and to know that the British did nothing. They turned eight hours later, 100 metres, eight hours later, the yeah. British or the Scottish uh, took them to get there. By then it was too late. 78 doctors and nurses were massacred by Arabs. So uh, it's a very uh, important, it's a very symbolic uh, site, place, road, uh, securing the road, going to Mount Scopus, of course, it's around the corner from the National Police Headquarters, so it's definitely not alone. Today, there really isn't so much of an island of the Shimon Atzadik neighbourhood. On all sides, yeah. there's now lots of Jewish presence. You've got Jewish hotels on one side, you've got the university, you've got the hospital, you've got the National Police Headquarters 10 seconds away. Uh, you've got medical clinics, you've got the Shimon Atzadik yeah. neighbourhood, yeah. you're two minutes from Mea Sharim. It's, it, it's gone. There, there is no Arab yeah. East Jerusalem anymore. No, that's for sure. Anybody, I mean, you know, it's really, just, it's just a, it's not even on a map at this point. I mean, driving, I mean, you know, you live in Malaya Dominion. So when you drive to Malaya Dominion, you drive to that area, you really don't, you don't know a sense. It's, uh, the truth of the matter, the hotel, the Shepa Hotel, is what it calls, is, is bordering, what is it, bordering, it's overlooking Wadi Joes. Yeah, so it's, but still, it's, it's not, it's, the ring is like a, you know, you really feel it's one contiguous area. And that's, and that's the important part here is that every time we kind of acquire property, we, we, can, we create contiguity. And we actually create coexistence by doing that. That's the powerful point of this, is that the more property we have, the more there's coexistence. And the more there's a message ultimately to the rest of the Arabs living there, is that it's better to play ball and they're gonna get something from this than not play ball. Right. So side by side works. I've never understood, you know, the left wing, you know, theories today, they're basically bankrupt ideologically. You know, most left wingers today talk about stopping this or stopping that or separation, put them over there and us over here. No one's talking about interaction, integration, even at the basic level. The, the case scenario that we're building is actually Jews and Arabs together in neighborhoods, not separation by fences or only Jewish neighborhoods or only Arab neighborhoods. What? Juden Rhein, we should be talking in terms of Juden Rhein. How the left wing have the arrogance and the audacity to say that certain areas today should be free of Jews and that only Jew, only Arab neighbors. It just, it's mind boggling. And I've never understood that concept. Our concept is very clear and that's Jews and Arabs living together under Jewish sovereignty, obviously, but you know, that's, that's better for everyone around. And when you have that, you have the possibility to open up small channels of basic communication, which is necessary, as opposed to total separation that only gives rise to possible animosities, not to mention the uh, investments that come around. We mentioned it last week, uh, the investments that come in as a result of Jews moving into certain neighborhoods uh, from you know, enforcing the government to act as a sovereign body. And that has another advantage also. So uh, yes, it's, it's all about basic coexistence. And only when you show though, uh, strength of conviction, uh, the left wing, uh, it's not going to work. I mean, today, just uh, we're finishing off shortly, but, you know, here, I mean, there's this group out there that uh, tried to stop the government uh, investing in 
the, an old Yemenite village of re-establishing or renovating and restoring an old synagogue court. Uh, but it's just, just phenomenal the way the, the thinking of some of these extreme left-wing yep. radical groups that don't appreciate the concept of Jews and Arabs being together is actually good for everyone under Jewish sovereignty. Always that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, the, just to add on to that, the, the left-wing policies are self-fulfilling. If I create separate neighborhoods that are no inter interrelationships, no, no um, coexistence, Arabia just, if it fills in the Arab mind and really the rest of the world's mind, that, oh, you see, like, um, they don't really, they don't want to be part of us, which in reality is not true, right? We would like to have, uh, you know, a relationship with them. But by, so by going, the way, going the way the left wants to go, we actually create the situation to disconnect from one each other. And, and, and I, I can't imagine, I can't think of anything more racist <laughs> In reality, than what they suggest is that neither side can live with each other. We can't actually, you know, live on the same street. You know, we're not talking about, you know, God forbid, uh, assimilation. We're talking about, you know, two tribal, tribal type of people, but still having uh, interrelationship with one another. Like we've always had. David, I have to tell you, there's actually it's not just that what you're saying. It's it's even more. It's it's partly hypocritical, because when Arabs, for example, move into a predominantly Jewish neighborhood, and we know it exists, it's in Ramateshkol, French Hill, Armon Hanatsiv, three specific neighborhoods, if, uh, if I'm not mistaken, and I don't think I am, just over 4,000 Arabs have moved into predominantly Jewish neighborhoods. And these left-wing extremists don't jump up and down saying that's no good. Their only objection is when the reverse happens. That's right. When a Jew moves into predominantly Arab neighborhood and it's doing it just by, you know, buying because an Arab wants to sell, which is another issue, um, that's when they jump up and down. So not only are they shooting themselves in the foot, not only are they against coexistence, they're only against partial coexistence and hypocritical because it only applies to them objecting to the Jew moving into a neighborhood legally and fairly and normally, as opposed to the Arab who nothing is said. Okay. okay. Um, I guess that's it for this week. Um, okay. I'm assuming there'll be other more news next week. There always is. So. I wish, I'm not sure when everyone will hear this, but I do wish you and everyone who is listening a, a happy Tubi uh, Shvat, the 15th of, uh, uh, the 15th of Shvat, that is the birthday of these holy trees that gives rise to lots of different things here in Israel. I'll be enjoying my 15 fruits that are here, not the ones that are imported from Turkey pure fruits of Israel, like the heavenly manna that God gave the Jewish people then. He gives us in a more natural sense our fruit today, and uh, which I'll be enjoying tomorrow night uh, when that uh, single day festival starts. So thank you very much. Definitely. And um, we'll see you next week. God bless.